0: You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday Morning Message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Praise God. Wanted also, of course, to thank everyone. What a fantastic move of God last Easter Sunday. It was incredible to see 25 people baptized in water, Um, Of all ages, many young, praise God, but of all ages, um, we had about 10 people give their lives to the Lord. Isn't God good? Praise God, the risen Jesus is alive indeed when lives are being changed. Um, If you were here at the 12th, there was absolutely no room. People were down the stairs, out the corridors, and all of that. But you know what? It's a bit like the New Testament. That's how that was as well. So it was great to celebrate Easter. We had Good Friday, which was sober, and then the celebration of Easter Sunday. But now Easter is over. There's no more chocolate in your life. Amen! (laughs) Amen! Anybody pig out in chocolate over Easter? Come on, confession is good for the soul. Okay, some people are doing that. you're all very self-controlled. One or two hands going up. The rest of you, you just need to get more honest. What can I say? Easter is over, and I want to speak today about after Easter. I want to welcome Cafe Church watching in by live stream downstairs. Good to have you join us, Cafe Church, and God bless you. So Easter is over, and Jesus, of course, rose from the dead on Easter Sunday, and last Tuesday night at Night Church, I started something that I wanted to touch on, and um, it was about after Easter. And so last Tuesday night, uh, I'm going to be looking in a moment at Luke 24, but we looked at how... Peter and the disciples, their first day back in work after Easter, Jesus turned up in their workplace, if you will. And we saw how in our future, Jesus is there. And so he turned up first day back at work. But I want to look at another account of after Easter, after the resurrection, how the living Jesus Christ turned up in some people's lives and they didn't pray for him to come. Peter and the boys didn't pray, Lord, come into our workplace. He was just there before them. And I want to, by God's grace, instill a bit of hope and a bit of courage and a bit of faith in your heart and my heart and your mind and my mind that whatever our future holds, the risen Savior is there waiting for us. So, You might say, "Mm, I wish I was a strong Christian, maybe then I could believe it. It actually doesn't depend on you, it depends on the Lord. And that's what we're going to look at today. So I'm going to read from Luke 24, and I pray, Holy Spirit, that your word would come alive in our hearts. I pray it would take root and produce fruit, so that if we feel like getting anxious, the anxiety would go in Jesus' name. Or if any panic comes in the back door, it would find no resting place in our minds or in our hearts. Oh, increase our faith, Lord. Help us to leave this place stronger spiritually than the way we came in. Let your word minister now in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is an abridged version of some of the main verses of Luke 24. Two disciples were walking on the road to a Emmaus. Many of you will know this. And while they were talking about all that had happened, Jesus came alongside them, walking. But they didn't know it was him. And their faces were downcast. And when Jesus asked them what they were talking about, they said, we had hoped Jesus was the Messiah. How foolish you are, he replied. And then Jesus began to explain the scriptures to them. When they went into a house to eat and they sat at the table, their eyes were opened as Jesus broke the bread. And then he disappeared from their sight. Immediately they said to one another, How our hearts were burning with us as we walked with him on the journey. Hallelujah. This is a powerful scripture. It's well known by many people and it happened after Easter, probably around this time uh, after Easter. And... We don't know who these two people were, one it does mention a name, but we don't know if they were two men, a man or a woman, we're not certain. But you know, it doesn't hugely matter, it was probably two men. But it doesn't matter who they were, because it's you and me walking on that road. You and I are on the road to Emmaus sometimes, and every human being and every Christian I've ever met, gets onto that road. So, know that it's after Easter for us and the big celebration is over. How does Jesus come in to your everyday life? So, you're probably back to work or school or college tomorrow, or you're back into the normal routine when the kids are gone to school. Let's see how Jesus turns up in our future. We're told in verse 14 that while they were talking, Jesus came alongside them on the journey but they didn't know it was him. Sometimes we're so taken up with stuff in our lives that that we don't realize when the Lord is next to us. Sometimes there's such an issue going on that it takes all your attention and my attention. And even if the Lord was standing next to us, we're so caught up in this thing that we don't realize he's next to us. But how interesting, Jesus wasn't put off by this. He kept walking with them on the journey. Everybody here is on a journey, and Jesus comes alongside you, and he walks with you, and he walks with me. So they never prayed, Lord, join us on this journey. There was nothing like that going on. There was no great faith. Nothing. They were really quite disillusioned, but Jesus still shows up. Okay, sorry, I hit a button there by accident. And then we're told, they were going to a place called Emmaus. Emmaus, one of the Hebrew translations of that name, means a despised people. So this is one of the translations, and so we know that the symbolism of where they were going on their journey wasn't positive. These were people who had walked with the Lord. And they were going to a place where, if you look at the interpretation of this, they probably would end up being despised. Do you know who the most messed up people in the world are? Those who once walked with Jesus and gave up. Number one, you're spoiled for the world. That was an old saying we used to have as Christians when I was a young believer. Because you've got the love of God and you've tasted of the things of God, but yet you go back into the world and the world will never satisfy. So you've distanced yourself from the people of God, but you know what's worse? The people in the world smell there's something different about you. So they don't really trust you. So you end up in a limbo. It's like you don't belong anywhere. And you end up really being despised all over. And these two people who had once walked with the Lord were heading in that direction. And I've been on that road. I would suspect most of us here have been on the road. Even if it was only for a few hours or a day. Or maybe for some of us it was years. But we're heading to a place where we will despise ourselves. And others in reality will despise us. But where were they coming from? They were coming from the city of Jerusalem. And the city of Jerusalem is so symbolic. This is where Jesus rose from the dead. This is where the disciples were about to wait for the Lord to move in power, Acts chapter one. It's where the Holy Spirit was going to be outpoured with signs and wonders pentecost was going to happen there we had 25 people baptized here last week they had 8,000 baptized in the first two days it's where the early church was established and for quite a while it was the only christian church in the world and jerusalem is a symbol to us today of the christian church so these guys these two guys are walking away from all of this they're walking away from Jesus rising from the dead and the water baptism and the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the blessing of God and what the early Christian church were. They were moving away from the gathered community of believers and they were going to a place where they were going to end up being despised by everyone and despise themselves. And into this Jesus appears I love that scripture about how the good shepherd, how many people, how many will he leave? he leaves leave the 99 and he'll go after the one. If a good shepherd, if he's got a heart and he's sincere and he has a hundred sheep, he leaves leave the 99 sheep who are safe and he'll go after the one who is going near the edge or who is in danger. And that's the Lord's heart to us. But into this situation, Jesus actually rebukes or chastises these guys in a gentle way but it's still kind of a constructive criticism and the Lord said we're told their faces were downcast and they said we had hoped that Jesus was the Messiah. So their experience their experience didn't match the reality. The reality is Jesus was risen from the dead. Amen. But their experience wasn't connecting in with the spiritual reality and sometimes you and I if we care about our spirituality get into this kind of a loop or a trap our experience doesn't match the reality that God has for us And so these two guys are going in that direction. And remember, if you read into the detail of this chapter, it's very interesting. Because they began to say to Jesus how some people said Jesus was alive. We heard some of the women said he was alive. And Peter and some of the boys said he was alive. But they didn't believe it. So they didn't believe the testimony of their brothers and sisters. And they began to move further and further into unreality. Further away from the truth. Further away from the blessing. Further away from the will of God. And so Jesus wasn't going to allow that. And he comes alongside them. And look at his chastisement or his rebuke. He said, how foolish you are and how slow to believe. Now, if I came up to you afterwards and you told me something, and I said, "You're a fool," you'd probably get insulted with me, wouldn't you? Okay, the rest of you go, "No, you tell me I'm a fool any time." <laughs> if you came up to me and you said, "You're a fool," I'd go, who do you think you are? But Jesus comes and He says, "You're foolish." So it's a rebuke. It's 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 a chastisement. And look what he says, you're slow to believe. I wonder is there anyone in this congregation this morning who's slow to believe? Because Jesus sees that as wrong, if we're slow to believe. Listen, I've been in that seat. I was a cynic. I can remember being in the Mountain Jew Festival in McCroom when I was about 17, sitting around the campfire, and I can remember standing up, I guess I was a bit of a preacher back then even, and I wasn't a Christian, I said, there is no God, only fools believe in God. Weak people who need a crutch. That's what I said. But the Bible says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God all the cool babies, all the cool dudes who are atheists, the Bible says they're really foolish. And I was really foolish, and it took hard stuff in my life for God to get my attention. And when I was low, I looked up and I heard his voice. But I was slow to believe. You know what? Some people, and this was me, I felt people who believed anything spiritual were weak, I felt I was wiser than them. I felt they needed a crutch in life. But I was strong. I didn't need that. And I became cynical. And the danger about being cynical is that you put yourself, or I put myself, beyond anything which so closed down on the things of God. Yes, we should question. Amen? Amen. Yes, we should test everything. Test what I'm speaking today. Go to the scripture and make sure what I'm saying is true. That's all good. We're not called to be uh, doormats or anything. But there's a line you and I can cross where we go from reasonable questions and testing where we cross that line and we become cynical and we think we're wiser and we're trying to protect ourselves. But the book of Romans chapter 1 is so true. Thinking themselves wise they became fools, or foolish. They thought they were wise, but they became foolish. So if you think you're better than everyone else, or you believe that those who have a faith are really weak, you know what? God says you're really foolish. Come down from the seat of the cynic. Question and test. But don't shut yourself off from God. And these guys were beginning to go down that road. And that's why we're told that Jesus began to explain the scriptures to them and open their minds. And by God's grace, that's what we're doing here today. We're explaining the scriptures to you. And I hope your mind will be open. Who'll say amen? Amen. I hope your mind, the gray cells in your your brain, that you'll be open to be persuaded to move on with the Lord or not stay in the seat of the cynics. So Jesus opens up the scriptures to them, explaining it to them. And then, I haven't got it uh, listed here, but if you read into the details of the chapter, Jesus was making as if he was going to keep on walking straight. And the two guys said no please come in uh, to us and have something to eat with us i kind of often think that's like jesus sense of humor you know it's like in the middle of a serious situation the lord is pretending to kind of go off all right lads see you know all the best he's kind of walking off and they're ha no 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 come in come in come in anyway whether it's humor or not i don't know i kind of interpret it that way a bit but they now want jesus they want to hear more Something is changing in their lives. One of the guys baptized last week had given his life to the Lord the week before. And he's so hungry for more. He's he's almost starving to hear from God, hear from the word. We should always have that desire, amen? Where we're hungry for God. So, we're told, when they sat down at the table with Jesus, their eyes were open. Here we are, after Easter, and their eyes are open. You see, in that culture, you never sat down at the table with anyone that you had an issue with. So, if you felt a distance with someone, or there was some kind of an issue, you're not going to sit down at the table. You, you didn't do that. You only had a meal with those who you were friends with, those who you were at peace with. So we can see this very much. They're now beginning to make their peace. So Jesus turns up in their confusion. He turns up in their disbelief, if you will. He turns up in their mess, in their mess. They accepted his mild chastisement or his rebuke. And as he sits there and as he breaks the bread, they have a revelation. Their eyes are open. Do you know, one of the great joys in my life, besides my family, is when you see someone's eyes open. I wonder, have you ever experienced that? That you've reached out to someone telling them about Jesus or someone in your family or worker, a friend, and you actually see something physical going on in their face. You can see their eyes being open. Hallelujah. It's wonderful. It's not just, okay, they're going to start coming to my church. That's not what it's about. Do you know what it's about? They're not going to go to hell. They are rescued from eternity, separated from God. The fires of hell, it's called. But they will now go to be with Jesus in heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So they have an eternal future, and they've got a great life here on earth because they've got the love and peace of God. Praise God. But here their eyes are open as Jesus is beginning to explain it. And it all comes down to this, that Jesus joined them on their journey. I don't know where your journey is taking you, I would imagine because you've put the time into coming to a Christian church this morning and you're here to worship and hear the word of God that you're not going from Jerusalem to Emmaus. You're not going to a place where you'll be despised. By God's grace, that's not true for you. But we are all on a journey and we all need Jesus on the journey. And the blessing after Easter, after the resurrection, is that... The supernatural God can turn up anywhere in your future. Think of it. He can turn up anywhere in your future. How did these guys know it was the Lord? Look what they said. How oh, our hearts were burning within us as we walked with him on the journey. I'm going to ask you an awkward question. And it's not to embarrass you. It's just between you and the Lord. But when was the last time your heart was burning for the Lord? Uh, Okay, so I'll get back to you on that one. I think any Christian, worth their salt, every now and again, your heart should be burning for the Lord. And even hear one amen for that. Okay, a bit of a subdued amen. Our hearts should burn. You might say, I'm just a cool guy, I'm just laid back and not the burning type. Okay, we're all different, but there should be something in your heart for the Lord every now and again. I'm not saying it's every day of the week, but it should if i go for a period of time and I don't sense God's power and love. And I don't have a burning heart within me. I start doing a medical check. It's a bit like going to the doctor because I'm getting sick in my tummy or I've got a chest infection. I don't want to live my spiritual life that way. I want a fire of God in me. I want to be like these guys. I want my heart to be burning within me because I know that, I know that, I know that the risen Jesus is near me. And you can't be near him without your heart burning. Who'll say amen? Amen. So this is what the Lord wants for us. Their hearts were burning. Look at all these situations where Jesus just shows up in people's lives. We looked at Peter at work in John 21. Sick woman in the synagogue. She never prayed for nothing. But Jesus saw her as she faithfully after many years. She went week after 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 week to the synagogue which was like the church. And nothing happened and she was always sick. But one day, many years later, Jesus met her. And I think it's because she was faithful and she kept showing up that Jesus healed her. She never prayed for it. The Samaritan woman at the well was in such a mess so-called number six in her sixth relationship and none of them were married. She wasn't in a great state, but Jesus was waiting for her to reach out in love to her and rescue her. John 4, look at the widow at Nain. Her only son was dead, which meant total poverty and isolation. She wasn't praying, Jesus, will you come in? But he showed up because he was moved with compassion, Luke 7, and even Paul, or Saul as he was known, when he was on the road to Damascus, To kill Christians, Jesus met him on the road, arrested him, if you will, to use that word, stopped him, and his life was changed. So, in your future and in my future, Jesus is going to show up. Jesus is outside of time. We're in time, but he's above time. So, if you consider where your future could take you, to a hospital. To some night when you're really alone and lonely? Or at a, in front of a bank manager? Or sitting this big exam? Or at work where you might lose your job? Or will you have the hope of moving forward? There's loads of connotations. You see, the God who is out time is there already for you and for me. We're told, if I can just... Briefly, as I come towards a close, if we go to the Old Testament, a guy called Joshua was leading the army of Israel to take the promised land. And they were about to cross the river and take over the land, and I'd say there was a great buzz there, and everybody was pumped, and the atmosphere was great, but they knew there was an enemy there, and everyone is just keeping an eye out for the enemy, and Joshua is there, the leader of God's people, and we're told in Joshua 5.13, that near the city of Jericho, Joshua looked up, and he saw a man standing with a sword, Are you friend or foe or enemy? Joshua asked. Neither. I am the commander of the Lord's army, he replied. And then Joshua bowed down and worshipped him. Who is this mysterious figure? It's Jesus. It's the second person of the Godhead. A Christophany is the theological term. And I, I love this because in keeping in context with the risen Jesus this is before Jesus took on a bodily form but Joshua is totally taken up with the things of time. Maybe like you and like me. And you go home after here and you're thinking about dinner or you're thinking about tonight or you're thinking about going back to work tomorrow or getting the kids ready for school or going back to college or whatever it is. And you're caught up in the things of time. And Joshua is caught up in the things of time. But out of nowhere, as it were, the Lord appears. And we know it was the Lord. It wasn't an angel because angels won't accept worship. You should never worship an angel, amen? Amen. Some people today say you should worship an angel. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. That's that's all wrong. This wasn't an angel. This was the Lord because Joshua bowed down and worshipped him and the Lord accepted that. But caught up in the things of time, he responds to the Lord with all these issues of time. Just like you and me. And we can respond and react to situations because all we see is just what's in front of us. But look what the Lord said. No, I am neither. I'm the commander of the Lord's army. What's he saying? He's saying, I'm above time. I'm beyond time. I see the future and the past and the present. I've got your future, Joshua. Hallelujah. I've got your future, You don't have to lose it. You don't have to be hyper about this. In effect, the Lord was saying, and it's repeated again and again as they took the promised land, the battle isn't yours. It's his. Yeah, but do you really believe that for your life? Because what I see in all of these people, and I believe in prayer with all my heart, don't stop praying. But what I see here is that even when we're too confused to pray, even when we're too disillusioned to pray, even when our lives are in a mess and your head is like soup and your heart is getting icy, the Jesus of the Bible shows up and he says, I've got your back and I'm not going to let you fall away. He won't let you fall. If you love him, and I think you probably do, he's not going to let you fall. He's here for you today. And the commander of the Lord's army showed up and there he was, outside of time, saying, I've got your future, you worship me. If you struggle with worship, this verse is so, and and it just mirrors the rest of scripture. If you really aren't someone into worship, you know what? (laughs) The best thing you can do if you're facing a problem is worship God. If you worship God, if you praise him, even if your heart is broken, the Lord will look after the future. It's the best thing you can do. I think of my friend Nick Park, pastor up in Drogheda. And when his six-year-old girl, five-year-old Grace was her name, she died. I remember going up, driving up to Belfast for the funeral. I remember Nick and Janice's wife saying that after the little girl died they left the hospital, her her body was dead there and they both as mature believers said if we don't worship God now we may never worship him again and so they drove the car to a place called Black Rock uh, down by Dundalk somewhere and they drove in there by the coast and in the car the two of them started thanking God, praising God and worshipping him and I said how did that change things. And he said, it put our hearts right. We knew we would see our little girl again. And we knew that in the time we have left on this life, we're going to keep our eyes on Jesus. So we got stronger. And the best thing you can do, no matter what you're facing, or I can do, is to praise God and worship him. And that's exactly what Joshua did. Joshua, why weren't you sharpening your sword? Why weren't you giving another check on all the army? No, Joshua, the best thing you can do is go on your knees and worship God. Because the Lord has this. And you know what? If you're going to see a doctor, the Lord has it. Do we believe it? He has you. He's got your future there's a bill you can't pay and I sense in the Holy Spirit this morning that there is a history of poverty or a fear of poverty because of the past in someone's mind and heart and I believe the Lord would challenge you this morning to say would you have the faith to allow me to look after you there's an old Jewish saying he who gave us teeth will also give us bread to eat hallelujah He's got your future. Don't lose it and don't panic. Believe that the Lord has it. So he's going to turn up in our lives. So brothers and sisters, as I close, we sing about the resurrected king. But after Easter and all the celebration is over, the reality and the blessing and the move of God in your life and in my life in the future is that this resurrected king it's already in our futures. And this morning, I'm going to ask that you would pray, because I need to pray. And you know what I'm going to pray? Just like the two on the Emmaus Road, that when Jesus would show up, I'm going to say, Lord, will you sit at the table with me? Because I want to see you. I want my eyes open. And I'm going to pray that you, your eyes would be open. How many have had a dream that you know, that you know, that you know is from heaven? You don't have to do anything. You just go to sleep like we all do. But it's like the Lord sends you a dream. Your eyes are open. How many when you're reading the Bible and you know the verse isn't just hopping off the page. It's going into your heart because it's God speaking to you. Or you get a prophetic word that is so accurate that it couldn't be humanly taught up. There's always ways that your eyes can be open. I'm going to pray that the resurrected Jesus showing up in your future will open your eyes in ways that they've never been opened before. Hallelujah. So brothers and sisters, we're going to sing the song if the worship band could come up. And we're going to sing Reckless Love. And I love this song. I really love it. I know Ben introduced it there a few months ago. And it's all about the Good Shepherd leaving the 99 and going after the one. Will we stand? You might say, I'm not away from the Lord. Praise God. That's good. But whether you are or you aren't, we need our eyes open and we need the Lord to come after us. And we need to leave our future in his hands. So let's sing this beautiful song and then we'll pray. Thank you, Ben and Sam.
1: Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me, you have been so, so kind.
0: that you and I will be like those two on the Emmaus Road. And we'll sit down with Jesus in the future and let's pray that our eyes would be open. So if your prayer today is that your eyes would be open after Easter by getting a prophetic dream or verses from scripture hopping off the page to you or getting a prophetic word, if that's your heart's desire today, maybe you're already in that place, praise God. But if that's your heart desire, would you lift up your hand? You want to have a deeper, open-eye experience with Jesus in your future. Praise God. Okay, I'm going to ask you to leave your seats and come to the top. And I'm going to ask one more thing. If anybody here identifies with that word, that because of your childhood or your past, and there's a poverty thing going on, Know the holy spirit wants to break the fear of poverty in you and you believe that jesus has your future you'll pay those bills he'll look after you but you gotta you gotta leave that at the altar this morning so if you identify with either of those would you leave your seat and come to the top we're going to pray with you as a group let's sing this song again mountain, mountain you won't climb up coming after just move forward guys a little bit more and just let those who are in the aisles come come forward, praise God can we all close our eyes on stage and off stage just that prophetic word about a fear of poverty in the future I want to pray that even in the coming weeks you're going to see Jesus providing for you in a way that you've never seen before so with every eye in the house closed can you lift up your hand if that's you I want to pray, it's okay nothing to fear Holy Spirit just move as you did in the day of Pentecost and my brothers and sisters and let the spirit of God fall on these brothers and sisters and I pray now Lord you would deliver each one from a fear of poverty today and that a faith believe that you are the god who will provide for us would take its place and i pray now oh god that you would show a sign to each one of my brothers and sisters and that something unusual would happen financially for them that would show them that you have their future so i pray into everyone's life who's got their hands up the holy spirit moving And may the fear of poverty be broken in your life forever. In Jesus' name and God's people said, Hallelujah, Amen. For those of us who want to have our eyes opened and that Jesus would do something in our futures to get a prophetic dream, scripture, ministry of the Holy Spirit gifts in whatever way. Maybe you're praying for a miracle. Would you lift up your hands? I'm going to pray that your future would see Jesus coming to you on your journey. And that as you're on the journey, your eyes would be open. In Jesus' name, as we stand in your house, oh God, we confess that we're human, we're weak, and sometimes we're very broken. But we ask you now, Lord, would you open our eyes in the future? If we're ever moving in the wrong direction, I pray we would stop. Sit down with you, Lord. Watch you. So I pray for dreams that are anointed and prophetic right in the middle of the night would happen to my brothers and sisters. I pray as they read or listen to scripture, it would speak direction into their lives. And I pray that prophets and brothers and sisters with no agenda but with the anointing of the spirit would speak into their lives prophetically and i pray that each one would see jesus in their future and it would kick in now oh god and maybe that future is tonight or maybe it's next week or next month or next year but jesus open our eyes that we can go in the right direction because you are the resurrected King. So, resurrected Jesus, come into our situation and help us, oh God, to see and to experience your goodness in the land of the living. Moses, can I pray for you? Can you come forward, brother? Il a Siddaroboru Bo Borodoruvo Madaredin Kheromoshinamaredosta Ibabostarum Giladoshovo Dalika Somana. And I am about to on earth, I am about to dig up treasure in your life. Over the coming season, says the Lord. Initially, it may seem like trouble to you but it's not trouble it's me working in mysterious ways says the Lord and in those mysterious ways what initially seems like trouble I am going to turn them around and I am doing this so you will see and your faith will grow even stronger and you will know this cannot be human it cannot be a man or a woman doing this it can only be the risen Savior, the resurrected King, the living God. Because I will turn your problems into blessings. I will turn your despair into delight, says the Lord. And I will turn what is hopeless into a miracle. So the living God would say to you over the next season, let your heart and mind be open and don't faint when initially trouble comes knocking at your door but be prepared now and be wise because as the trouble comes you won't look at the trouble I want you to look up and you will see my fingerprint appearing all over it and you and all who you love and everyone who knows you will look on and will declare surely God is alive if this can happen in this life So the Lord says, prepare your hearts for blessing and for open eyes that have never been opened like this before. This is your future, says the Lord your God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Can we lift up our hands one more time and just give our future to the Lord? If you're down there, guys, just do it as well. We give you our future, Jesus. We remember this is after Easter. And whatever is going to happen by faith we know today you're waiting for us Lord we're not going to be on our own so into every doctor's surgery every hospital bed every argument every relationship hurt, every problem at work every failed exam oh God Jesus we know you're there for us and here before it happens in our timeline we say thank you Lord we will rest easy and we hand over the battle to you because the battle is not ours the battle is the Lord's and we give it to you now in Jesus name and the people of God said Amen let's just go back to our seats guys keep standing can we just sing the chorus of this before we close let's sing it as a declaration for the weeks and the months to come because our God is so lovely
1: Oh the awful me
0: to thank everyone for taking the time and coming here it's so often after a big celebration like Easter it's like the next weekend is a weekend off but you know what you've put Jesus first today so God will bless you for that so may he bless you and all those you love for the coming week thank you for coming coffee and tea are being served upstairs the guys are gonna play us out And stay in worship for a little while if you want to join us upstairs God bless your future. Ben and Sam, thank you.